everybody. Welcome. Had to get re-miked here and get set up and good to go. We're going to be in the book of Colossians. If you uh, didn't already know that, book of Colossians, chapter 4. Hoyt was, uh, was scheduled to come back this week and, and you know, present the material. I'm sure he had all his notes ready to go, but he, uh, he is under the weather today, so uh, be in prayer for him that he gets better. I talked to him earlier. He's uh, taking it easy, relaxing a little bit, resting. That'd be great. Um, hey, Matt, could you turn me down a little bit, please? I don't see anybody in the booth. I get self-conscious when I hear the echo. Can you hear the echo? Like, it's just kind of one of those, like, my voice is enough without a microphone, and uh, there. That's better. Cool. Thank you. Okay, so Colossians uh, chapter 4. Hoyt's going to be fine, uh, but I, I got called in this morning and said, go teach that passage. Like, okay, so I, I whipped it up for you. You're ready to go. Colossians chapter 4. And we, we went into chapter 4 last week, right? We went uh, through verse 1, and that was tied into 3.18 and following. Um, so this, uh, this week now we're going to look at uh, chapter 4, verses 2, and we're going to go through verse 6. Although um, even seven, where we at, seven and eight uh, kind of go along with, uh, maybe even nine can go along with it, but it's, it's nice to have it at the ending there as well for Hoyt as he wants to go through that. So uh, chapter four, we're going to be in verse, um, verses two through six. Um, let me ask a question to start us off. Why do people say that talk is cheap? Why do people say talk is cheap? Because actions are more important, okay? Okay, what else? Build on that. What? It's easy to say, hard to follow through. Good. Yeah, going along with the action part there, right? What else? Why is talk cheap? Okay, yes, sometimes it's better to listen, right? Yeah, maybe more, more than sometimes. Yeah, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Talk is cheap. Maybe it's not sincere. Maybe it's not from the heart. Sure. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of things that will build uh, in, our, in our perception and our discernment with people that, that add value to what they say. So uh, when someone comes to me and starts speaking, and, and it's one of those people that I know and I trust, and I have tr- entrusted myself to them for years and years, and, and they've never intentionally done anything wrong to me or, or tried to set me in a wrong path, I, I'm going to be quick to listen, and, I, and their, their talk will not be cheap, right? Their talk will not be cheap. Um, talk is cheap when, when our actions, when our attitudes, when our character doesn't, doesn't build it, doesn't, ma- doesn't make it happen, doesn't have a foundation for it, right? But words, words are still powerful, right? Words are still very powerful. I, I think there's even times I spend with people trying to, to convince them that, hey, those people's words were cheap. Don't listen to them, right? Because they had so much power and they heard something and it was, it was totally off base, but they're taking it to heart. No, 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 no. you don't have to listen to that. Uh, trust the people that you trust, uh, that, that God has put in your life. Don't trust critics that really have no say in your life, right? So you have to walk people back sometimes from people uh, because they think the talk was so valuable. It really wasn't. But words are powerful. Think about a doctor's prognosis. You're in the waiting room or you're in the exam room and you're waiting for your doctor to come in and to give you a prognosis. What he says next or what he, she says next is not going to be cheap, right? Well, monetarily, but also a value, right? It's, it's not going to be, it's going to be something you hold on to every word. Uh, how about a judge, right? Uh, handing down a verdict or a sentence on somebody. I mean, everyone's hanging on every word that's coming next. That talk isn't cheap. How about a referee's call in a, in a baseball or football game or basketball, right? Any referee uh, or umpire judging a, a game or, or a game of play, right? Those, those words are valuable, and you have to, it's part of the game. A parent's direction, right? And as we, as we get into this, it gets a little more murky because a parent, again, should be able to build, uh, build clout with their children, build, uh, build confidence with their children, that when you're, you're a parent, you say something, it actually does mean something, it does, it does matter. It's not empty words. That's why when I teach parents, I don't ever pick a battle that you're not going to win, right? Don't, don't say yes and then change your mind a few minutes later because it got too hard to keep saying yes, right? Or don't say no, and it got, it's, you, you pick the battle, you fight the battle, you win the battle. If it's not worth fighting for, don't pick it. Just don't worry about it, right? So those are things we have to build 
trust with our, our children as well. But then parents also, um, their, their words have value and, and are not cheap. There's another, there's a book called Mein Kampf, right? You ever hear that? Hitler's book, right? Adolf Hitler wrote a book. Influenced many, many people. Very, very powerful. Over 153,000 words are in that book. You want to know how powerful a word is? 480 people per word lost their lives in World War II. Huge. A lot of power in what we say. Talk is not always cheap, right? Talk is not always cheap. So tonight I want to look at the way Paul, uh, what Paul tells us, so we can, that we can talk in a way that wouldn't be cheap, right? Um, ways that we can use our speech to minister to others. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Um, and he comes off of a background, too. We'll talk about that in a minute as well, to kind of build upon the context of this passage. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get into our passage in Colossians. Father, thank you so much for this time. God, for us to come together and God, to worship you and, and God, sing, just sing your praises. We, we thank you for that. And God, to hear your word sung and to, and to preach that and sing that to our hearts and sing it to each other's hearts. And God, now as we go to your word, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive. That God, we would, we would dive into this and, and God, we would analyze our own character, our own nature, God, the background, what's behind our words and our actions, Lord. And, and, and God, may it be something that's pleasing to you. God, and, and, and that our words would be of value to those around us. So God, help us to see ways in which our words are of value. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'll read the passage for us, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us or a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. All right? We're going to go through that today, and we'll leave the rest for uh, the following weeks. By the way, next week we are not having uh, Bible study. It's, it's spring break for the kids, so Wednesday nights will be off, okay? So no Bible study next Wednesday. And no theme kid, correct. Thank you. All right, so first thing we see here, uh, what are ways that we can have, uh, have our talk or our speech not be cheap? One, the first part we see in this passage is prayer, right? Prayer and worship. If you go back to verse uh, 2, what does it say here? It says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us. Okay, so there's some important things to look at there. Uh, Paul says, hey, if you're, if you're going to speak, if you're going to use your words, do it in prayer. Do it with prayer. This is something of extreme value and extreme importance, so much so that he says to what? Devote yourselves to it. Devote yourselves to prayer. And it says, stay alert in it with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, right? So why? Why? And we see this in Philippians as well in chapter 4 when we're called to not worry about anything but through prayer and petition and with what? Thanksgiving. Present your request to God. So why is Thanksgiving tied to prayer? What, what is, what's important? What, what goes with that? Or why does it go together? Right. Yeah, usually we do, don't we? We usually have some pressing problem. But, but to be thankful, yeah, to enter his courts with thanksgiving, right? That's, that's to enter his presence, right? To come in with a thankful heart. I, I think there's, there's an, a connection, though, between thanksgiving and prayer. And, and see, we can get to that point of just, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask. And we, we forget Who's in charge, right? We go to God and say, oh, yeah, we, we trust that you're the, you're the guy that can answer prayers, but we're saying you're the guy that can answer my prayers, my requests, my wants. I'm going to give these to you, God. I expect you to take care of that, right? But for us, if we go to God humbly and say, God, I'm going I'm to pray. I'm going to pour out my heart. I'm going to devote myself to humbling myself before you. And I'm also going to, to acknowledge, God, that you are good. 
that you are God and that you are gracious and that you have answered my prayers already. And, and, and we can say, God, thanks for this and thanks for doing what you've already done and what you've already done in my life and, and drawing me in. Thanks for the opportunity I had with this person. We, we lay thanksgiving out and then we present requests, right? Yeah. He's the only one that can accomplish it, right? And he's the only one that accomplishes it for us. So, so when we go to prayer for him or to him, we, we know that he's the one that's powerful enough to take care of it. But we, we offer those prayers to him and we, and we thank him for what he's already done. It's an attitude of thankfulness saying, God, we, part of it is faith. I think, I think part of thanksgiving is going to the Lord in, in thanks. God, thank you for how you're going to answer this prayer. Right? I, I've known people a ton of times where they said, well, you know, we, we thank God for, God, thank you for answering this prayer exactly as I prayed it. I'm not sure I do that. Right? I go to God and say, God, I thank you for the, for the fact that you're going to answer this prayer. I thank you for the fact that you hear me. And because you answer prayer, and because you hear me, I am going to pray to you. And I'm going to devote myself to prayer. The position? At, at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, the position of Thanksgiving to start with it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 And yeah. Yeah. So we put we put him first. We we pray and elevate God first. So they devoted themselves to prayer. Right. Stay alert. Um, I First Thessalonians the, um, five. It says this: Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, there are times people come to me and said, Brandon, what's God's will for me? Do you know that it's actually stated in the Bible? What God's will, like, this is the will of God for you. Here's a, here's a point where this says this, right? What's God's will for you? It is that you rejoice always, that you pray constantly and give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's, our, that's God's will. And I really like this idea of the, the pray constantly, not the idea of it, the, the command. Um, it, certainly we can't pray constantly. 24-7, we can't be in prayer, right? Um, but to, to put our thoughts towards the Lord as often as we think about it, often, as often as we can, is important. I often think about this in this way. Um, and I've heard it argued this way. I don't know if the text really supports that or not. But that prayer should be like a, like a cough in the throat, right? A tickle in the, in the throat where you, you feel like, man, a little tickle, I need to cough. So you pray every time it itches, right? Whenever it itches, you pray. And, and I, I think about that for my own life. Like, I, I want those itches to happen more often because I want to be more reliant, more and more reliant on God, on what he's going to do, and the fact that I, I'm not in control and that he is. So I just offer up every, every other moment when I think about it. And when uh, it itches, I just pray constantly to the Lord. And, and I think about prayers of thanksgiving as well. I think that has been more helpful to me as well, to, to pray prayers of thanksgiving immediately, right? Not waiting until the end of the day. When I, when I miss a close, near collision in a parking lot, God, thank you so much for, for protecting me there, right? Or I, I have, a, have a visit in a, a store with someone I haven't seen for a while, and it was a good, God, thanks for that conversation. I just, I want to be thankful. So not only am I praying and asking God for things and for others, but I'm thanking God in my prayer constantly. So it's constant thanksgiving. We, what does it say? It says rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you. Prayer should become as normal to us as breathing, right? Just in and out. We take a breath and we, we breathe out. We should also, though, it says be watchful, right? And pray and discern what needs are to be prayed for and who might need to be prayed for. So he said, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it, in our Colossians text, right? Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. There's a lot of that in scripture, that we're to stay alert. We're to be on our guard. We're to be on our game. Not just like willy-nilly thinking, oh, oh, some, oh, here, it's in my lap. But no, watching, seeing what's around us, seeing, watching for those opportunities and, and taking hold of those opportunities. We'll see that later here as well. But it is about us being watchful, being discerning. What are the needs around me? What, what can I be praying for? Who should I be praying for? And I would say even be praying specifically, right? Um, if all we do is ask, right, but never thank, that's the other thing going back to thankfulness. If all we do is ask and never thank God for his gifts, we are being selfish, and we're forgetting our place. And we're forgetting who God is, right? Gratitude reminds us of effective prayer. That, that's true. Gratitude. When I'm thankful to God 
for how he's answered and how he's going to answer, it reminds me of effective prayer. It's like I, I know this is going to be a, an effective prayer because he's listening, right? And he is going to answers, but they, they, to answer us. So they prayed continually. What, what have you experienced? What are your thoughts about praying continually or constantly? How have you lived that out or how have you seen that or how have you been challenged in your own life, in your own prayer walk? Dan. <laughs> right, look what God did. Yeah. Sure. Keep it with you, yeah, and that and that will change the meditation in your heart, right? Grabbing onto the scripture, and and then that that's offered then to God in in prayer in thanksgiving. That's important. I think about my day. Um, it's been, I mean, I, I, we joke sometimes about, like, like on, on Wednesday night, Stephanie will come down, we'll play the piano or whatever, or Matt, and, and, and how's it going? Oh, well, it's Monday again. It's Monday again. You know, all week long, it's Monday again, just because of, the, of the, the load and the kind of the, the things going on. But one of the things I've seen in the last, especially the last few months, just God, the way God provided, and I go into it with a different attitude, not with this, like, oh, man, oh, here we go again. This is going to be really heavy and hard, and I, I, I can't wait to get, I, I don't ever like to say, I can't wait till Monday, next Monday, right? I can't wait to get through the weekend or through the next few days. I just, I walk into it now with God, okay, this is your day. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. There's my thankfulness. And, and you're going to be in command of my schedule. So I, I know that, that people are going to walk in. I, I know that you're going to rearrange things, and, and I'm good with that. Let's, let's go that direction. So I've just seen him work, and then I acknowledge that. So I'll be sitting in a meeting or, or a counseling thing, and it'll just be wrapping up, and we'll pray, and I'll look at my phone. And the next appointment was, it's, it's, they're, they're running late. It's like, oh, thank God. Thank you for that. You know, I needed that. Or, the, or, or I, I, something came up at my house and my kids need me. And, and God's like, nope, this, this person said they can't meet today. So it'll be next week. Oh, good. God just opened that door and shut this one. And so I just, I, I walk into that thinking, God, thank you for that. Thank you for, for being the God over, over my schedule. It's your schedule anyway. I give it to you. And we just, I, but it, you go into it praying constantly, thinking, God, I, you're going to be gracious. You're going to be good. I'll trust you with it, right? How else do you pray? How else do you pray constantly? What else do you have in your life? Like, how do you see that? If I had to get all my prayers out when I went to bed, it would not work, right? And I, I was reading a book, uh, doing some discipleship with a, a young man, and um, Disciplines of a Godly Man, great, great book, very highly recommended. But we were talking about the discipline of ministry, right? And, and, and heart men working hard and, wor and working hard in ministry and loving God with all their heart. And, uh, and it just, it, Deal Moody was, is famous for having a prayer where, he, he came home, and he was so weary from ministry all day long that he, he laid down in bed and said, Dear Lord, I'm tired. Amen. And that's what he said. That was it, right? And that was his prayer. Why? Because D.L. Moody was probably praying constantly all day long. Right? So for me, to, I, I, I'm not, I don't have my list of prayer that I have to have at bedtime. I, I go through my list of prayer 
all day long, right? Every moment I can as I'm praying. And then, of course, remembering things along the way. The shower is another one for me to pray constantly, right? The shower. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. My ideas, my, my prayers, it's a big thing for me there. So I like that. Someone else, praying constantly. Jenny, thank you for saying that. Like, it, it is. People think I just need to bow down or I need to be reverent at certain times. Like, no, they're prayer all the time. Eric. Absolutely. Yep. Yep, yep. You wake up and, yep, middle of the night, you need, need to pray. So, so what Jeannie's, I'm saying it for the microphone now, the, the idea that when we're awake in the middle of the night or getting ready to go to bed and we're praying or reciting scriptures and we kind of fade off, it's Satan, Satan's really good at doing that, right? I have another take on that, though. That I have found enough rest in the arms of my father, enough rest in the, in the power of his word that he can settle me back to sleep, back to rest, right? I think there are oftentimes, we, we can go both ways, right? Because Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Stay awake and pray that you do not enter into temptation, right? How, you couldn't stay awake for an hour and pray? So the, the, there, it's both directions, right? When we're called to be praying and we don't do that, that's because Satan. But there, I think there are times, uh, there are times for me where I, I've, I've been nervous or anxious about something and I just, I forget, like, uh, like what do I do? I go to the Word. I go to prayer. And man, I tell you what, so quick, I'm, I'm either at rest or at peace or at ease again because I'm, I'm safe in my Father's arms, right? I'm resting there. Good. Good thoughts on that. Um, thinking about that devotion, oh, uh, Acts 1 talks about the uh, early apostles. They were continually united in prayer, it says in 1.14. Acts 2.42, they devoted, right? This is a devotion. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers, right? They devoted themselves to that. That was part of their identity, and they did that daily with each other um, as, as the early church. And, and it's important for us to be doing that too, to set, set aside time and praying for one another and praying with one another and, pr- and just and saying, we're going to devote ourselves to these things. It's not going to be just once in a while, right? It's going to be a, a culture of that in our heart. Um, we also need to understand there's purpose behind prayer. Um, and that purpose is, is to put us into a deep reliance on the Spirit of God to work in and through us, right? To work in and through us. So the prayer, what was the prayer? There was actually a prayer request here from Paul. He, he said in, in uh, Colossians, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us. So Paul's getting specific, right? I think that we need to be specific with our prayer requests too. We, when that idea of staying alert, it's not just about, oh, I'm alert to maybe what pops up. But I am, but I'm going to pray specifically for those things. And, and, and what, I'm not just going to be, I'll be praying for you. No, what specifically can I be praying for you about, right? Go a little deeper with that. Um, and again, the purpose is that deep reliance on the Spirit of God to work in and through us. It ultimately is a bending of our will. You think about the Garden of Gethsemane. You think about Jesus in the Garden. What do he say? Not my will, but your will be done. In the Garden of Gethsemane, that's what, that's what Jesus said. So it's a bending of our will, not my will, but your will be done. Not, not our will, his will be done. Now I want to read a passage out of Acts chapter 4. If you want to turn there with me. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. This is just after Peter and John had been arrested. They had healed uh, the man, and, and they, they were questioning, like, whose name did you heal him in, and why are you doing this? And they, and they didn't want them, want them talking about Jesus at all, right? They, in fact, said, don't, don't speak anymore about the name of Jesus. Don't be bringing Jesus into any of this, right? You remember this? So Acts chapter 4, then in verse 23. This, this is going, going to be talking about the aftermath of this. They were released. And then uh, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and elders had said to them. Okay, you're the church, right? You're the, you're the, you're the early disciples. Paul, or Peter and John come back. And what do they tell you? It says that they reported everything that the chief priest had just said. So what do they tell tell you? Hey, the chief priest just told us what? This Jesus stuff is done. Don't mention it anymore. Don't be teaching. Don't be preaching. Don't be praying in his name. Don't be uh, healing people. None of this stuff. None of this Jesus stuff. So they just get done saying that. Then what happens? When they heard this, I love this. When they heard this, 
they raised their voices together to God and said, what is that called? Prayer, right? They're praying. Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, and here's what is in Psalm, right? Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah, right? He says, in fact, uh, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. Now we'll stop there for a second. This is a, this is a prayer, right? They just were told by Peter and John, this is what the chief priest said, no more talk about Jesus, no more Jesus stuff. And then they start praying, right? And the prayer is, God, you're actually the master. They're not the boss of me, right? You're the master. And in fact, they are the ones, along with all of Israel and this whole city and all the people that were assembled together, they were the ones who crucified Jesus. And, and in verse 29, and now, Lord, I love, I love this part uh, with this prayer. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That was a powerful prayer, isn't it? Very powerful. That prayer was not, God, I don't know what to do next. I'm not sure, you know, what you called us to. Of course, we, God's called us to go preach the gospel, to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, and that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you're going to receive power to be my witnesses everywhere, right? You will be my witnesses. Go and, and share the gospel. And I love at the end of this, when they had prayed, so here it is, that it was a prayer, right? When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God boldly. So their, their prayer was, God, what we want to, uh, they said, we want to consider their threats, right? And grant that your servants may speak your word with boldness. That was their prayer, along with other things. At the end, what we saw was when they had prayed this, the place was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what they do? They began to speak his word boldly. There's a purpose behind this, right? There's a purpose behind prayer. And, and that, that leads us to the next part that he's going to talk about. That purpose is not just to pray, right? To speak in prayer to God privately, but to pray us up, to get us ready to be bold, to speak the word of God boldly, right? So uh, the second part we see here is proclaiming the word. We proclaim the word. We see prayer leads to boldness, and boldness is there for us to speak the word or proclaim the word. Now, this is true uh, for us to do with brothers and sisters in Christ, and this is true with us to do with unbelievers as well. This, is, this goes across the board. This, the last section we'll talk more about unbelievers, but this part is, is both. It's unbelievers and, and believers, right? We want to be able to speak with boldness. I think there are times where you and I probably hold our tongue or bite our tongue because we're like, I don't want to offend. I don't want to say something, but, right? So then we go to somebody else and say it, don't we? You know what that's called? You know what that's called? Going behind somebody's back and speaking about them? What is it called? No, it's called sin. But yes, it's called gossip, right? It's gossip. And so we need to be very careful, but what we should pray for is boldness, to be filled with the Spirit. And, and, and we'll see how to share and, and what this goes on to say. Let's, let's look at that. Colossians 4. Three through four. So it says, pray for us, right? That God may open a door for us, for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains, so that I might uh, make it known as I should. Paul wanted to continue to make the mystery of the gospel known. And we're going to see what that mystery is in a minute. And, and it, well, we probably understand the mystery, but in depth, the mystery in short was this. This is not just for the Jews. This is for who? Everybody, right? Everybody who would believe. Not just for the Jews. Not just for Israel. It's for everybody who would believe. And Paul understood that, and he was called to that, and he would continue to preach for that. And he said that this mystery for which uh, I'm preaching, this mystery that it's for the Jews and for uh, Gentiles alike, uh, that Christ, Christ was crucified, that he was buried, that he rose again, it is across the board for everyone. This mystery for which I am in chains, I want to make it known as I should. I want to make it known, right? That's the prayer. Prayer for boldness to speak the word, to make the mystery of the gospel known. It's an interesting prayer request, right? What else could Paul have prayed for right there? 
I mean, if he's really like, if you pray for me, please pray for this. Where was Paul? What could he have prayed for in prison? What? Yeah, to be released. Oh, guys, please get your prayer warriors going. Spread it to every prayer chain in every church. I want to make sure that I want to get released out of prison. Right? He could have said that. Because then he, then, then he said, let's, let's, one thing at a time, let's, let's get out of prison, and then let's preach the gospel. That's not what he's prayed, though, did he? He knew, I mean, if you look at the book of Philippians, he totally sees it as a joy and, and, a, and a God divine appointment that he's there. He talks about, and Philippians goes through the whole idea, and I think it's towards the end of Philippians in chapter 4, where he says, hey, say hello to those who are in Caesar's household for me, because I, I know, like, or no, people in Caesar's household send greetings. He, he has now a captive audience, right? People of the Roman, uh, Roman um, Empire are with him, and, and he's got centurions there that he's, he's talking with and sharing the gospel with, and they are captive audiences. He's under this house arrest. He has to be guarded. And that, that is making its way into Caesar's household. Paul, who wanted the gospel to go to Rome, Gentile of Gentiles, right, who wanted the gospel to go to Rome, is now in chains in Rome. And what is he seeing? What's that? He was a Jew of the Jews? I'm sorry, I, I'm not, what, did I, what did I say? Oh, he was a Jew of the Jews. But he was there for the Gentiles, right? And, and, and to preach the gospel to all people. So as he was there, uh, he's in prison. He says, it, it happened. What, what I wanted to have happen, to come to Rome and to start a big church and, and be, a, be a pastor here and reach out to people, it's happening. And it's happening at the highest levels of government. Right? Is Paul being effective in his ministry? So what does he say? Pray for me that I continue to do that. Pray for me that I continue to be effective, that I, that I would speak the word of God boldly, right? Um, Paul did not ask for his prison doors to be opened, but instead for the doors of ministry to be opened to him, right? And that, I think we should model that prayer for us too, right? We, we, we pray for comfort and we pray for, oh God, someone else to oh, do that or, no, just God, whatever door you, you put in front of me, God, let that be a door that you put there and let me go through it. You've opened a door to ministry. I want to love and serve those you put in my path. Paul talks about this often, this idea of doors being opened. First Corinthians, he says, I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door of effective ministry has opened for me. He looks for that. It's like, I want open doors of ministry here. Uh, Acts, um, he says, after they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done to them or with them, uh, and that he had, that's God, he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So these doors are opening, and Paul's like, I'm walking through. And, and, and he, this is Paul, and he knows how hard that is, and he wants us, and he, wants them, he wanted them, right? He wanted them to pray for him, that he would walk through those open doors, that God may open a door for, for us to use the word, to speak the mystery of Christ. He wants those doors opened for them. Uh, open with me to, uh, to Ephesians chapter 2, or turn there uh, as well. It's right before Colossians. And, and well, Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians 2. I, I want us to talk about this mystery. And actually, if you look at chapter 3, you'll see him speak of it as this mystery. But chapter 2 is the, the description of it. So we're going to look at ver- chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. He wants to open the door to speak the mystery. So it says in verse, verse 11 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. So then... Remember, this is, now this is the mystery, right? This is what he wants. He says, pray that we would open a door for the, uh, for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. He wants to speak this. Here's what he says. Remember, at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, and without God in the world. That's pretty dire straits, right? Let's go on. For verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, one, and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law, consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in, him, create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both 
to God in one body through the cross. Right, so he's, again, talking about the cross, by which he put the hostility to death. He came and he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, here's the gospel, through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. This gospel is to be proclaimed. It's to be proclaimed to the church and unchurched, right? Reminder, remember one, there was a time when you were, what? Away from God, far from God. But through Christ, you've been brought near. Jews and Gentiles alike, those who were, who were near have been brought in and those who were far were brought in. They were all far, they were away from him and they've been brought in and he's made peace through his blood, through the work of the cross. This is the proclamation of the gospel. This is the mystery of the gospel. That there's nothing we can do on our own, uh, on our own uh, in our own merit. It's all about what Christ has already accomplished. So when Paul is saying, listen, if you want some, your words to, to count and not be cheap, pray. But pray for boldness that then you can get, use uncheap words to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. See, the power in the mystery of the gospel is tremendous, right? And, and, the, and the proclamation of the gospel is powered by prayer. It's powered by prayer. Prayer is never the least you can do. You know, it's like, well, I, I guess at least I can pray for you. No, that's the best you can do. That's the most you can do. Please, please pray. Pray for boldness to share the word. Pray that God would then also water and grow the seed of the word that is dropped on the hearts of people that we share with. We pray. We, we pray for boldness. We pray for boldness to speak and to share the word of God wherever we can to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So we proclaim that to each other. But, but when, when do those words have power? Remember, words are cheap, right? So when are those words not cheap? When what? When they're followed through? Okay. Yeah. Follow through. And if, if we're sharing them, that means, means it needs to be followed through with us, right? Our lives should match that, right? There's a story, there's always stories, but a story of a pastor who goes, uh, to a, um, a furniture store. And uh, he says, oh, I'm the pastor at so-and-so. And, oh, I, I think I know one of the people in your church. Named so-and-so. Oh, yeah, they're, they're members of our church. Yeah. Well, they, they always come in here and they buy, they buy stuff on credit and they never pay their, pay their bills and we're not, we're not selling to them anymore. And the pastor's like, what do you do? I mean, is there any open door? Are his words going to be cheap? Right? Or his words going to be valuable? His words are going to be cheap, Right? Because there was nothing behind that, and, and there, the witness is now gone, right? Or, or you're going to spend a lot of time trying to, trying to fix that and say, well, that's not how we should have acted. That's not how we are called to act, and that's not how we should behave. There's a lot of, uh, we get in the way of ourselves, right? And we get in the way of each other just through our actions. So for you and I, we really need to be in that place to say, listen, I, I'm going to follow through with my actions. I'm going to let my life reflect the fact that the gospel is here and has first changed me. And then I can pray for boldness. So this leads us to the last part of this passage. So Colossians, back to Colossians chapter 4. We see that we proclaim the word, right? And I said it's proclaiming the word to believers, right? And to encourage and support and edify and build up the church. But it also we obviously proclaim the mysteries of the gospel to those to which the gospel is a mystery, to the unbelieving world. So that's the, the third part of this passage is, is we witness to unbelievers. Colossians 4, 5, and, 5 through 6. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. That's how he finishes up here in this, in this section. So, so what, what's going to make our speech not cheap, right? What's, what's going to make uh, our talk not so cheap? What, what's he saying here? What is it to act wisely towards outsiders? By the way, who are outsiders? 
they're the ones that are outside the family of God. And so Paul just talked about the mystery of the gospel that we are now brought into the family of God through faith in Christ, right? So now we're talking about the proclamation of the mystery of the gospel to outsiders because they need to be brought in to the fold, right? But outsiders are certainly those outside. Corinthians, he says, what business is it of mine to judge outsiders, right? Don't you judge the ones that are inside the church? God judges the outsiders. But because they're outsiders, it does not mean we treat them inferior, right? We are not, what is the term that is used for Christians? Oh, they're, they're holier than thou, right? Oh, they're goody two-shoes. They're, they're better than everybody else, right? And certainly people can feel conviction on their own life and maybe, maybe say that about people just because of the way we live, right? We see that there will be conviction in their heart, but our hope is that as they see our graciousness, our kindness, our, our good works, that we would like Matthew, that, that we'd be like salt or light, and they would see our good works and they would glorify God in heaven, right? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, we don't, exactly. We don't want to see hypocrites, right? Sure. But there are outsiders and there are the ones that are inside. We, we don't want to treat them as inferior, though. We have a responsibility to witness to the lost and share the gospel and, and to draw them into the family of God, that they would receive Christ and become part of the family. So what does it mean to act wisely towards outsiders? What's that? Or testimony. Go further. What, what does that mean? To act wisely toward outsiders. Sabrina? So a representation, our testimony, right? What about it? Go ahead, Darcy. There you go. The fruit of the Spirit, yes. So when we walk wisely, we're walking in a, as a testimony, right, to people around us in the, the fruit of the Spirit, and love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, those things, right? Those are important things. Um, I think part of this uh, walking, walking wisely is, is to not let the responsibility at the end of the day have fallen on me for what happened. And let me explain that. Right? We have a responsibility to witness to the lost and to share the gospel that they can receive Christ. Right? But um, acting wisely, it means that we would not do or say anything that would make it difficult to share the gospel. We, we're not going to offer something that's like, oh, well, I've got a handle on you now. See, you're not as cool as you thought you were, or you don't know as much as you thought you did. I don't want to be foolish with my words. I don't want to be harsh with my words or my tone. I, I want to be gentle and kind and, and use discernment and wisdom. It also means to be aware of opportunities, right? We don't want to make it difficult for them to hear the gospel. We want to be aware of those opportunities to share. Sometimes we think, oh, let's not make it difficult. So let's not talk at all. I don't want, I'm just not going to talk because it's going to be too difficult. No, our lives should be able to speak for the words that are going to come out of our mouth. So pray for boldness to go speak. And we walk forward in that and we speak and we share the mystery of the gospel with people around us. We do it gently. We do it um, compassionately. The idea of taking the opportunities, Ephesians 5 says, pay careful attention. Here's another one of those, right? Be caref pay careful attention. Then how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Days are evil. Things, I mean, you look around, days are evil. I heard Russia wants Alaska back now. I, don't, I mean, it's, it's getting bad out there, right? Days are evil. What, what do we do? We pray for boldness. We speak the word of God, the mystery of the gospel. That's, that's, that's all we've ever been called to do. And whatever circumstances we are, that's what we do. So I, I want us to see this. Pay careful attention. Or if you go back up to the Colossians passage, making the most of the time, this idea of redeeming, it's a business term. It's an exchange of money. And, and I, I want to, maybe, maybe you're like me. I, am I cheap? Am I cheap? I don't know if I'm a cheapskate. Um, man, I'm really kind of labeling myself now, right? I, am I tightwad? No. Um, I'm frugal. I'm a good steward, and I'm a shrewd businessman, a, a negotiator. Prudent, but I, I'm a little bit shrewd. Not, uh, in the sense of like, I, I know what something's worth, and I'll, I'll go for it, right? So I, I like to bargain. And I'm certainly I'm not going to bargain for, or maybe I should bargain for gas, but like, you can't do that, right? You pay, you pay the prices on the shelf, right? Store. Uh, but I search for bargains. I'm like, I, I'm going to wait for it to come on sale. I'm going to wait for it to find a coupon. I'm going to go get it. If I'm at a yard sale, oh, watch out, man. My friends will call me up and they say, hey, I found this couch on Facebook. And could you call and negotiate for me? Because I, I do that, right? I like, I like to do that. I like to get the good deal. But it also, what I also am good at, because sometimes I'm, I'm bad at like 
pulling the trigger. Like, okay, uh, should I get it? Should I not get it? Uh, I don't know, right? But if I know there's something I need, or if I know my family needs something, or if I know my friend has said, can you watch for this? And I need this. As soon as that deal comes up, you know what I do? I pounce on it. Done. I seize it. I seize the opportunity. Right? And I make the exchange, and it's done. That's, that's part of what this means. The idea of, of you see that good deal, you pounce on it. You go for it. That's what he means by seize the day, make the most of the time because the days are evil. Do it now. So you and I, as we walk in this life, we need to make the most of every opportunity. God is handing those over to us saying, hey, here it is for you. What are you going to do with it? And we need to say, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm, I'm going to seize the day. It's a great deal. Let's go. I'm going to be a steward. I've prayed, right? I've, I, it's, prayer wasn't cheap talk. I prayed for boldness. Now I have boldness and boldness won't be cheap talk unless my life can't back that up. That's the mystery of the gospel. And now I pray, I pray uh, for boldness to be able to share the mystery of the gospel with unbelievers. And that's hard to do sometimes. But how do we do that? There's a whole how of like, how do I share the gospel? Well, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. We're going into a series pretty quick here about evangelism. You know, on, Sunday, on Sunday morning, we're going into it. And I'm going to give you some tools and some thoughts of how to share your faith. But man, I tell you, the more and more I think about, you know, um, you know tools for evangelism, you know what the greatest tool is for evangelism? You, knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ and then having a burden to share that with the world. It, it, the biggest thing that, that keeps people from sharing the gospel is not having the gospel here the way they should. It's, it's gospel light. It's like, I think I know it. And, I, and it's amazing how you, you ask someone, like, maybe go home tonight and ask your, ask your significant other, ask your spouse, can you share the gospel? If I was an unbeliever, what would you tell me about how to come to faith in Jesus Christ? See what they say. And then you do it, too. And see how that works. It, it's, it, it, talking through it is helpful to do that, right? Now I'll give you some tools in the next few weeks to do that, but really it comes down to know the gospel. Love the gospel. Live the gospel. Let it just ooze out of your life, every aspect, so it just comes up in conversation and you can take, on, take it on. But he also says... Um, Make the most of every opportunity. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know what you should answer each person. I think this idea of seasoned with salt, you know, it's not, it's, it, it, our conversations with people should never be, hey, you should take this with, take this with a grain of salt, right? What, what does that mean? It, it, hey, take this with a grain of salt. What does it mean? Yeah, it, what does it mean? It's, it's kind of, it's, no, it's just, just you, you can just take this with a grain of salt and, salt and throw it out. It's not worth much, right? But if we're seasoned with salt, I don't just put a grain of salt on my steak. I season that thing. I mean, I, you are nice layer of coarse salt, coarse pepper, nice sear. I mean, seasoned with salt. It should mean something. It should do something, right? And the idea of us being salty, it, it, salt is a pre preserving thing. So as we speak with, pray and then speak with boldness, the word of God, the, the message of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, it's with salt to preserve and to to, to build up and to, and to make them think, oh, and, and, and salt does kind of rub the wrong way sometimes, right? You get a salt and wound, it, it happens, but we're doing it graciously, with graciousness, and, and that's how we want, not harshly, with graciousness. Ephesians 4, 29, no foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it may give grace to those who hear. As we speak, the idea of season with salt, with graciousness, it is giving grace. Our words are gracious. We give grace to those who hear, and we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'll go on from there. It goes on, it says, let all bitterness and anger and wrath, shouting slander be removed from you, right? Those, those aren't, don't have a place in, in conversation and in, in gracious speech with somebody. Uh, in First Peter, Peter writes, says, even you, if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear them or be intimidated. This is a great, a great thing to understand. Like, we should not be afraid of the person that God has put in our midst to share the gospel with. Don't be afraid of them. What can they do to you, right? Well, you, you, your Heavenly Father loves you. He cares for you. You're sealed for redemption. Trust Him. And it goes on. It says, um, don't be intimidated by them. But in your hearts, regard Christ as Lord or the Lord as holy. And be ready any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's within you. Why do we pray for boldness? So at any moment, every time, we can take that opportunity and, and offer that to God, right? And, and say, God, and, and then offer our, our thoughts and, our, and the gospel to people. 
He, so he says, be ready in season and out. Be ready to give a defense for anyone who asks you. And, but in verse 16, he says, yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience. Now, again, this goes back. At the end of the day, at the end of the conversation, am I going to be to blame or, or is, the, is the conviction going to be on them? Am I going to be convicted about how I handled that, what I said, the way I said it? I, I wasn't humble or I was really a hypocrite. Or am I going to go into it saying, you know what, I was loving my life uh, lined up to that. I, I was prayerful. I was bold because of the gospel placed in front of me. It was an open door. I shared the mystery of the gospel with someone. And if they were offended, they're offended. But it, what, they weren't offended because of some wrongdoing on my part. They were offended because of Jesus. And that's okay. But if it's on me, then I, that's where I need to reanalyze that. It's okay to offend people with Jesus. He's, he's pretty offensive to some. Do this with uh, gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, now here's what happens. Those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. Put to shame. That's what, that's what the word says. That those who will disparage us, as, we, as our talk isn't cheap, as we have prayed diligently, as we have prayed for boldness to be able to speak the mystery of the gospel, as we take and make the most of every opportunity and walk in, walk through those doors of ministry and share with gentleness and graciousness and respect the mystery of the gospel, those who disparage us will be put to shame. Right? And, we don't have, and we will have a clear conscience. We don't want to be the ones put to shame. Let's let them be put to shame, right? Our words are not cheap, but only if they're accompanied by genuineness. There's no place in Christian conversation for harsh, harsh words or know-it-all attitudes. Right? We have to certainly have solid, truth-filled convictions and not compromise on them, but we speak out of the graciousness of the Spirit of God and, and, and out of the Spirit of God that saved us originally, a sinner. Paul would say the chief sinner. So when we can see ourselves in that way, it makes it a little easier to say, you know what, I'm not going to be better than them. I'm just forgiven. Right, and that's my grandma always said that too. I'm not better than anyone. I'm just forgiven. So he, Jesus, changed everything with the gospel, with the message of the cross, and with the power of the cross and the work of the cross. He changed everything, so that we can value him, and then our speech will be valuable to others. Right, that's that's what Paul is saying here. All right. Any questions on that? Anyone else? Uh, I don't do a really good job of leaving a lot of time for Q and A, do I? It's okay, we'll still have some. All right, let's, let's pray and then we'll do some Q&A. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love, your grace, God, for, for drawing us together today and um, God, for letting us study the word and God, that there's power in your word. We thank you for that. God, we ask that you would uh, convict our hearts of the ways that we need to, to change and to, um, to renew, God, and to maybe, God, in the ways that we're passive from actually walking through doors to take opportunities. God, maybe there's ways in our life that our, our speech isn't valuable. It's just cheap because our, because our actions aren't lining up. God, maybe uh, give, us, give us clarity there. Give us conviction God, that we might repent and, God, we might um, follow you fully, God, and be in a place where we can pray for boldness to speak the mystery of the word of God to the brethren and to the unbelievers. God, and make the most of every opportunity. So, God, let us do this with gentleness and respect, with graciousness, seasoned with salt. Thank you for that opportunity. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.